This episode is sponsored by Winter Victor Studio. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! They're all completely gassed! They've given it everything on the global bucket! Oh, yeah! Oh! Oh! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello, fans of Shuklistan, and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello, how are you? I've had a few too many jelly beans. <laughs> the Easter bunny was good. Some people like the chocolate. Some people like the peeps. I am queen of the jelly bean. Mm. They don't need to be gourmet. They don't need to be the fancy flavors. They can just be the Brocks from the Walgreens. And I am so happy. I like when they have a cracky shell. Nice. Yes, it's Easter week. I, I will say I am a fan of the Reese's peanut butter egg myself or the Cadbury eggs. Those little ones uh, with the hard shell and the chocolate in the middle. The little mm. sugar bombs. That's right. That's good. So we are loading up on our sugar this week because it is Easter and we are bringing you a lightning round with some of the people who were either at Beijing or were trying to get to Beijing 2022. Before we get to our first lightning round participant, we would like to remind you about our show sponsor, Winter Victor Studio. Winter Victor believes that sport and beautiful design go hand in hand and that a designer's versatility is just as important as an athlete's dexterity. Winter Victor provides distinctive graphic design to clients in sport. From logos to digital communications, Winter Victor brings the same passion to, to design that our clients bring to the field of play. Add a responsive and versatile designer to your team at wintervictor.com. All right, lightning round. First up, we have Paralympian Steve Empt. He is a wheelchair curler, and we got to see him compete many times, which was very exciting. One thing I will say about his lightning round is includes because we all know the lightning rounds are no longer lightning <laughs> and of course i forgot to ask him about angles when we talked to him about how wheelchair curling works and that's very very important to wheelchair curling so we talk about angles and other things paralympics and olympics related take a listen lightning round what is your first memory of the paralympics and your first memory of the olympics from when you were a kid uh, the Paralympics, I probably when I went, and that's the first time I'm being named to the team. And I never even knew about that word Paralympian or Paralympics before Tony stalked me that day. So that was that. And as far as the Olympics, probably just watching the Olympic basketball uh, team, you know, the, the dream teams back in the early when the pros first came on, you know, the those guys. Yeah. Who Who was your hero on that team? Larry Bird. Larry Bird. Correct is my answer. Hero. Larry Bird, Boston, baby. Let's go. Right? Come on. Celtics, I bleed green. Bring them back. Bring them back. <laughs> what sport other than curling or basketball would you compete in in the Paralympics? Uh, marathon. Racing. I mean, you competed in it, but what was it that didn't hold you the way curling holds you? I don't know if it didn't hold me. I just curling came into my life and took it. It took me over. So I was done. Right when I, I mean, it was like, you know, love at first sight, done. So 
I loved, I love racing. I love, you know, I've done a couple marathons, New York city being my biggest, and it was just an amazing time. But when curling came to my life, it just took over everything and you know, love at first sight, you know, <laughs> high school sweethearts. I'm done. <laughs> one, <laughs> you know, one question I forgot about to ask about curling. How much do you geek out about angles? Oh, all the time. Oh, I'm big math geek. Come on. I taught middle school math for 20 years. So I love the geometry of it. I love the, and I grew up at a billiards table growing up. So I'm always two or three shots ahead and I got to hit this stone here and, and it's going to go there. And, oh, I, it's one of the many things, the circles. And sometimes I just find myself getting lost and staring at the circles like a zombie. I don't know, but no, I'm, I'm a big math geek. So I love the angles and the, the yeah, we're going to hit there and go there. And you know, that's, that's what life's about. If you miss a shot, how quickly can you recalculate two to three shots ahead with all the angles? It's, that's, that's probably the most difficult part of the game is thinking two or three shots ahead. And, you know, I'm going to call this shot right now, and then they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And if, when it plays out, it's perfect. But like you said, when there's a miss, uh-oh, now, right, now i got to wait to see what they're going to do. Now i got to recalculate two or three shots ahead off of based on what they're going to do. It's a lot of thinking. And it's amazing how quickly you get dehydrated on the ice and not feeling well. I've been in Gamble Pavilion under store, you know, campus of University of Connecticut playing basketball with a bunch of future pros for two hours and not drinking water. And I've been on the ice for two hours and not drinking water. And I'm twice as sick when I get off the ice. It's amazing. The brain just sucks everything when you're thinking all that. It just sucks it all out of you. So got to drink. Got to stay hydrated. Wow, that's interesting. I yeah. did not realize that. Yeah. It is, it is amazing how quickly it just saps it right out of you. Yep. What is your favorite training exercise? Probably getting on my hand cycle and just going for 30 minutes and doing some interval work, getting my heart rate up, sweating a little bit. Uh, the physical, anything physical, anything physical. I don't, I mean, I love the mental part of the game. When COVID hit, you know, our club shut down, we couldn't get together. We had a year or so. And I turned to the mental, the meditation, and the dry firing, and the positive imagery, and it helped my game out immensely. So when I got back on the ice, when everything opened up again, I didn't miss a beat. Actually, I was probably even better. But uh, I love the physical. I love sweating and getting my heart rate up and, and working out. And uh, what is your favorite souvenir from the Paralympics? Hmm. Probably my credentials, because when, we got, when we're at the Paralympics, you, you collect a bunch of pins, you know, we curling, you know, sports, athletes, uh, when you go to the games, you have a bunch of pins and especially in curling, that's a big deal is to swap pins. So, you know, during meals, you go up to another country that you didn't even know existed and ask to swap a pin. You know, I get a team USA pin to them, you know, team Kazakhstan or something. I apologize, but it's throwing out there something like that. So my credentials with my picture on it and then a bunch of pins on a lanyard of, countries i think you know 37 countries were at the paralympics something like that and get a pin from every one of them that's got to be it right there thank you so much steve next up we have jason turdeman jason was a doubles loser who recently retired from competition and sadly he right at the very end the very last opportunity to qualify for the games he and his partner chris mazder did not make it. And so his career ended not the way he hoped, but uh, he was great to talk with and he is hoping to have a nice career in coaching, which very excited about, to be quite honest. So uh, take a listen to uh, Jason. Lightning round. What is your first memory of the Olympics from when you were a kid? 
Uh, my first like core memory from watching the Olympics uh, was 2002, watching Brian Martin and Mark Rumet uh, cross the, the finish line for a medal for the U.S. I was sitting in the cafeteria in the Lake Placid Training Center, uh, just my my second year in the sport, and it's one of the like real core memories I have from watching the games. Where do you keep your 2018 relay diploma? Uh, that is at my parents' house in a frame on the wall. I'm going to make question three a two-parter. What is your favorite training exercise? I love pull-ups. Uh, they're very transferable into the start for luge, so it's one of my favorite movements. Uh, uh, how many can you do? It used to be a lot more when I was younger. Before I had my shoulder surgery, I was able to, to really go. We used to do a test to see how many you could do in 15 seconds. And I was able to do 21 in 15 seconds. So that was always a point of pride for me. I had the, the second most in USA Luge testing history, and I was, I was outed by one. Wow. 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 Yeah. Okay. And then when you think about becoming a coach, what's, the, what's some of the good coaching advice that you've gotten? Or I don't want to say like the best piece of coaching advice, but if there's like one good piece of coaching advice that you've gotten that you want to like put in your toolkit for the next generation. Yeah, uh, it, it would definitely be, it wasn't one of my coaches didn't tell me this, but uh, the best thing that I've learned through the sport is to try and detach yourself from the result. Uh, you know, as athletes, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and take a lot of our own self-worth based off of the results we get while competing. Um, and I think detaching yourself from the result and understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, no matter how the race went, you're still a good person. You, you can't take your own worth off of what the finish time says. And I got to say, I liked the analogy of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen because Allison and I are ageless. How long do you think you'll be able to use that analogy with the younger generation? It's not long, right? So I'll have to switch it up and probably use like, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or something. I, I don't know. I'll figure, I'll figure out a new one for sure. <laughs> Studying yeah, on the great gotta, players. We gotta keep it up to date for the next gen. I am always getting into trouble for making references to like Lake Placid 1980, <laughs> and people look at me like I have six oh. heads. You know, when when I started out in Luge, I would go and do com like have conversations with classrooms, and I would always use the uh, "Who's heard of Luge?" and no one's. You know, it's it's very rare that a young elementary school class has heard of luge and so i'd say all right well who's seen the movie cool runnings and that used to be a big hit on people to get like kind of just an understanding of what i do uh and then in the last few years i've gone into some classrooms and i've said who's seen cool runnings and no one puts their hand up oh. and i'm like okay well now i gotta figure out we have to we have to get something out out there that's something with the sliding sports so we can keep the next generation interested we have to get the luge movie out there that's something that would be something I, I would be uh in full support of a luge movie see okay so right, i'm gonna take this to a weird place because we've been looking at atlanta 1996 this year and i did a little thing on modern pentathlon and dolph lundgren had done a modern pentathlon movie i think dolph lundgren could be a good choice for a luge movie don't you think allison oh that would be great i think he's too tall you can never be too tall. Oh, just, no such thing slide. <laughs> yeah. I would I wouldn't we can know. make a pledge to any specification we need to. <laughs> All right. Okay. Back on it. Uh, if you could be an Olympian in any other sport other than a sliding sport, what would it be? Uh I would be a coxswain in rowing. Ooh. That's a good one. How come? Uh 
mostly because of my stature and because it's a summer sport, so I can enjoy a little bit more sunshine all year round. See, I have to laugh because Jason, because you're saying like, oh, you're so small. I'm five feet tall. So when someone says they're like five, yeah. six, five, seven, I was like, I would be a giant. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't get that from my teammates. No, I know. <laughs> All right. And finally, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? My favorite souvenir, uh, my mother scheduled me a tattoo appointment after the last Olympics, and I was able to get the Olympic mascot from 2018 on my <gasps> left bicep. And I think that that's probably my favorite. We love that mascot. Yeah, so hooray. Really cool. that, that, that's pretty I have sweet. a illusioning so hooray on my left bicep. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Did your yeah. mom pick that out, or was that your idea? Uh, no, the, the tattoo was my idea. I did not expect her to set up the appointment and pay for the tattoo, though. Yay, Very mom. cool. Very nice. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jason. Jason, a fan of Cool Runnings, which we have, <laughs> we disagree on. I am not a fan, and you enjoyed it. I, I do enjoy it. it. It's not the world's greatest movie. Let's say that. But, you know, it is... A, how many movies about sliding can you get? It's much like my anticipation that someday we will watch Pentathlon with Dolph Lundgren. So I, I did want to bring up Cool Runnings because uh, listener Dan in the Facebook group, when you told the story about hitting your head in Beijing in the hotel room, and he mentioned that we basically recreated a scene from Cool Runnings. Because the next morning after this incident, I, I looked over at you and I said, Jill, are you dead? And in the movie, one of the characters is after there's a crash, they say, Sanka, are you dead? Unfortunately, he answered yes. Thankfully, you answered no. <laughs> but it, like in the movie where Sanka had crashed into a, a shed of sorts and was just covered by stuff. After I hit my head and slid onto the floor, I was covered and tied up in blankets. <laughs> So we we have lived cool runnings. And if you think about it, when I was trying to get back up the mountain, I did in fact slide. <laughs> so th this movie is now a a biography of of Flame Alive. <laughs> might be a little stretch in there. We might actually have to get you into a sled and throw you down the track. Should I talk about my Jamaican ancestry that I actually do have? You Wait, you had Jamaican ancestry? Wait, what? <laughs> Tell me all about this. Okay, so I do have a portion of my family that emigrated from England to Jamaica, stayed in Jamaica for a few, I think one or two generations, and then came to Connecticut. So I am, in fact, Jamaican. Wow. I, I am blown away by that. That is very cool. The things you learn about me after all this time. <laughs> Finally, we have our biathlete, Claire Egan, up. It was amazing because we did not realize we had never done a lightning round with her in the three or four times we've talked. So we finally got one down, and here we go. Have a listen. Lightning round. What is your first memory of the Olympics from when you were a kid? I think... It was the Nagano Winter Olympics, so 1998. I would have been 11, and I remember watching the Olympics and also 
collecting some kind of token that was like maybe in a cereal box or something where you could, you know, get one for each sport. Yeah, I remember all of that. And I, I don't remember from anything from, from before Nagano, but I definitely remember Nagano. Where do you keep your participation medal from Pyeongchang? I don't know if I have a participation medal from Pyeongchang. I'm not sure that's a thing. I have a ton of paraphernalia, mm-hmm. various kinds. I guess there's like a, maybe it's a medal. It's kind of like a coin, but I don't, <laughs> there's not like, there's not like one thing that was you know, like, this is your participation medal. Although, you know, I, you know, for me, it's my ring. I got an Olympic ring, but that's, and that's a, that's a U.S. Olympic committee thing though. It's not a, a Pyeongchang, you know, it's not an IOC thing. Right, right. Um, the IOC, I feel like there maybe is like a cert. I probably have like a certificate or something, but I don't. There's nothing that's like super meaningful, and I don't know where it is. But my my Olympic ring is pretty meaningful to me. It's like definitely something I never thought I would have, <laughs> and I have one. What is your favorite training exercise? Cross country skiing. Just d- drills. Do you do any any? <laughs> Or um, long distance, or on that treadmill thing, that's funky. On the treadmill thing, the roller ski <laughs> treadmill. Anything involving roller skiing is definitively not my favorite. But I do love cross country skiing, and that's why I'm still doing this. So I have to say that is my favorite training activity. But I don't know. I don't know if there's something like a specific drill. I can't think of one. You okay. do you do post a lot of swimming cross training. I have oh. seen. There's been a lot of it seems to post a lot of pictures where all of a sudden winter athlete Claire is in a, a bikini. Oh. <laughs> which is always really am I posting like, bikini pictures? Because we always joke that when people are posting bikini pictures, it must be because training is going badly. <laughs> no, no, no. At at appropriate times of year. But it always makes me happy when I'm like, oh good, Claire is getting out of the snow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think swimming is a, I don't know, really awesome cross training. When I was a competitive runner in, in high school and college, I used to swim laps a lot as cross training. Cause it's just such a nice change on the body from the pounding of running. Um, I don't do it as much anymore, but I do love to get in the water, you know, just to dunk in the lake, you know, um, I love doing that. So whenever there's a nice lake, I try to get in it, which is probably why I like living in my apartment right on Mirror Lake in Lake Placid. If you could be an Olympian in any sport other than biathlon or cross-country skiing, mm-hmm. you can do winter or summer, what would you choose? I would do windsurfing, which is an Olympic event that falls under sailing in the Summer Olympics. Why? It's so awesome. I think it shares. it actually shares a lot with cross-country skiing so they're both, I think, really technical activities, cumbersome equipment. When you first start doing it, you're like, this sucks and my back hurts. And you're moving really slowly and falling a lot. And then once you get good at it, you're flying. You're using your own power to sort of harness energy and go fast in nature. And, you know, in the winter, you're doing it on snow. And in the summer, you're doing it over waves and on the ocean or a lake or whatever. And um, I'm not a good windsurfer, but I can do it. I've done it several times. I try to do it whenever I can. And I think it is just 
such a cool sport. And I think the way they do it in the Olympics is that it's like, it's speed. It's not tricks. It's speed. And it's kind of like sailboat racing around buoys. I don't know anything about it, but I think that's what I would want to do. Excellent. And finally, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir other than the ring? Yeah. So in Korea, they in the Olympic Village, there was this kind of booth where you could go and try on traditional Korean clothing called Hanbok. And I had learned about that in my studies of Korean language. And I thought it was so cool to go and try on these like really ornate silk typical Korean gowns. And I went there, my my boyfriend and my family came to Korea. And so I have pictures of me and my boyfriend, both in Hanbok. And I also have a picture of me and my two brothers in Hanbok. And I love those pictures. I think it's the, I hope it's our Christmas card forever with me and my brothers. It's just an amazing photo. And I think that's, I think it, it's, it also reminds me of like, really, I think my favorite part of, of those Olympics in Korea were how much I felt like my family and friends and anyone who has ever touched tangentially any part of my life was suddenly there with me in Korea and like so excited and happy and and supportive and so that it it kind of tells tells that part of the story too. I, I think I think I remember that picture. Probably I'm, I think I'm sure I posted it. <laughs> and it, you looked so happy in yeah. that picture. <laughs> yeah, this little fun. Fun little things like that that were really fun about the Olympics. Excellent. Well, Claire, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Claire. No big surprise that she picked a summer sport. And this <laughs> is even before the agony of the chill of Beijing. She was already like, you know, I really probably should have picked something where I'm not in the ice and snow all the time. And then she proceeds to go to Beijing and just becomes a human icicle. Yes. Oh, man. Well, I hope she got some kind of fun Beijing moment, like dressing up in the handbook that she was able to do in uh, Korea, because it really she did. She had a frustrating games. And I, I really do hope that she finds the bright side to them at some point. Well, they did do that lap of honor at the very end of the World Cup season for all the biathletes that were retiring. And of course, at the end of an Olympic cycle, there's always going to be a big handful. And she and Susan Dunkley, her American teammate, were both retiring. So that, I think, made it very special. Exactly. So we will have ways you can follow all of these athletes on social on the website. So check it out at flamealivepod.com. They will be in the show notes as well. So check your podcast app for that. And that is going to do it for this week. Let us know if you could be an Olympian or Paralympian in any sport, what would it be? You can get in touch with us by email at flamealivepod at gmail.com. Call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAME-IT. Our social handle is at flamealivepod. And be sure to join the Keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook. Yeah, do text us because the My Pillow people have stopped texting us every day. And, you know, it's, the phone line's kind of lonely. So we'd love to hear from you. Next week, we will have on one of the friends we made in Beijing, photographer Mark Edward Harris, who talked with us about how he worked at Beijing and t did photos, which 
I, I gotta say, seeing the photographers in action was pretty amazing, and I have so much more respect for photography as a career just by watching them. So uh, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive.